Hey there, it's July 23rd in the evening, Alex and I are Skyping, and we're recording episode 7 of the Brozane Detroit Pistons podcast. Hello everybody. Uh, so, I would say the free agency is underway, a lot of exciting things have happened. Uh, not quite as many things have happened for the Detroit Pistons, so especially, I mean, literally nothing has happened since we last spoke, except for signing Dinwiddie, who we had drafted last time we spoke, and... Also in getting another guard in DJ Augustine. Oh yeah, DJ Augustine. So, um, but what is interesting is, I think, is the fact that no one has made a max offer to Monroe, which we had feared before. I did. I personally didn't feel like it was worth making him a max offer, but I st- he is a really good player. Uh, so maybe we'll be able to hold it out and, and get him for a more reasonable non-max contract. Yeah, I think uh, it. I think teams were just. As we said last time, just waiting to see what Carmelo and LeBron did, and now everybody's made their choice. All the clear max player superstars have uh, signed contracts: Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. And so now I think the league um, might be turning its attention to the next best free agents, which I think the consensus is are Greg Monroe of the Pistons and Eric Bledsoe of the Phoenix Suns. And both of those are guys that are loudly saying, or their agents are loudly saying they want max contracts, but I think are widely thought to be a better deal at a slightly lower contract, like some, maybe something around what Josh Smith makes, you know, 13, 14 million instead of a, the full max. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the you know, we, we've, we've officially blown all of our cap space that we had uh, coming into this offseason, and we've signed a bunch of guys, and... Um, Basically, we, we've just been filling in that depth. We, we've got we we got a DJ Augustine who should be a backup point guard if Brandon Jennings can hold on to his job. Jody Meeks, who you know will either start or come off the bench for on the shooting guard, depending on how last year's rookie Caldwell Pope does. We got Karan Butler and Cartier Martin, who should be coming off the bench as small forward if Kyle Singler can hold on to his starting job. And we got Aaron Gray, a solid backup center. A large man uh, who, uh, by virtue of just being such a large man who doesn't trip when he tries to run, uh, can get a million bucks a year playing in the NBA. <laughs> so that's uh, you know that that's it. We we just got depth and depth and depth, and everyone we got can shoot, and that's good. But uh, you know, doesn't really. Well, I mean, it seems like what Steve, what what Van Gundy's been doing is just filling out our roster. We didn't have great backup this last year. I mean. Our backup point guard was Bynum, and it sort of felt like we we're stuck with Jennings, who is promising but didn't play particularly well. And I feel like in DJ Augustine, who had a, a pretty good season last year with the Bulls, we have a plausible backup, and, and that can put pressure on Jennings to play hard in, in training camp. Um, you know, Van Gundy said in an interview that while he knows who the key players will be, like the, the starting lineup is up for grabs going into training camp. So you know, hopefully, people will be really playing hard and playing the right way, etc. Um, and I know yeah. that I know that people probably blow too much hot air about the sort of you know high character guys, et cetera. But you know both Jody Meeks and Butler are both you know leadership guys, and you know work hard. Are ho- hopefully we'll get the culture set. So that's I, right. You were telling me Karan Butler is one of the guys that uh, Kevin, a tearful Kevin Durant, mentioned and thanked specifically in his MVP speech. Uh, if if you guys anyone who hasn't watched uh, Kevin Durant's MVP speech, it was a 
Uh, actually, a really good touching speech by an athlete. He was standing up there with a, a suit and glasses on, I think, and saying that uh, his teammate Russell Westbrook was the real MVP. But he mentioned Karan Butler, who was signed uh, or traded for, I guess, late in the season and came in and brought veteran leadership and the ability to hit an open three-pointer. But back to your point, Carl. Yeah, I, I think you know we plausibly have a, a competition for the starting job at four of our five positions. I think Andre Drummond pretty much has it locked down at center. But you know, if we end up re-signing Monroe, we could have Smith and Monroe competing for the starting power forward slot, Singler and Butler competing for the starting small forward slot, Jody Meeks and Contavious Caldwell-Pope competing for the shooting guard, and Jennings and Augustine competing at point guard. Um, I don't know how much competition there there really is, um, but I mean those there isn't a huge difference between those players. That that should be good for our culture. We're going to come in and be competitive, uh, and yeah. all again, basically everybody we have on the perimeter now can shoot. Uh, DJ Augustine's uh, career three point percentage is almost thirty eight percent, and he shot forty percent last year. Uh, Jody Meeks. Shot 40% last year, career almost at 38%. And, uh, you know, Karan Butler has become a three-point specialist uh, the last few years. He's he's now in the late, you know, trying to win a ring rather than be a starter and try to be an all-star part of his career. Uh, Carl, I think he was born in the same year you were. So that tells you something about his, uh, he's a little bit of an aged player. Uh, I'm a couple of years older than you, so I can't even talk. You know, we were bas- I'm basically in Tim Duncan territory. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, we can say we can say all these uh, solid, like, yeah, okay, I guess this is all right. Uh, things about a roster, but well, you know, well one concrete we, thing we came is- in with cap room, and we were naming all these big name players and talking, getting excited about the eighth grader Lance Stevenson. But all we did is we just, you know, we filled our shopping cart with staples and healthy. Healthy vegetables, <laughs> yeah. rather than uh, well, we something did, impressive. I mean, being able to spread the floor with some three-point shooters is is exciting, um, and I can see that's the strategy as well. But yeah, we we didn't make any blockbuster moves, especially considering some of the other moves that have been happening with LeBron going back to Cleveland, etc. Um, one thing that I, I I've been listening. It's funny. I've never been just in doing this podcast. I've never been so into any sports team in the off season, and and here we are speculating. It'll be really fun to go through this season and see, you know, how probably how wrong we were about all our predictions, and maybe by ne- <laughs> maybe by next off season we'll actually have a better gut sense of these things. But right now I'm kind of like right now I'm kind of like oh gee Willikers I heard, you know, um, Jody Meeks interviewed on the local Piston station. He seems like a swell guy. I'm excited for him, but who knows how it's actually going to turn out. Hey, drinking the Kool Aid is all part of the package, you know. And, but and to, to that on that note though, Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I keep on hearing good things about him. Um, Ramona Shelburne was on the, the Matt Derry podcast, The Diesel, and she, she, you know she's a sort of a high-profile ESPN NBA writer, and she's, she's in the L.A. area, and she said that Dinwiddie was, is, kind of, is a steal. I mean, he's kind of a legend in L.A. during high school, and, and he's a, you know, a lot of people are saying good things about him. He can shoot outside. Um, we just signed him to a contract. I feel like that gives us kind of a backup plan at point guard probably next year. Uh, it would be unlikely he starts making a big difference this year. But, you know, that, stuff like that gets me kind of excited. Uh, he could have been yeah, kind of first-round draft pick uh, caliber if he ends up being healthy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he. so we signing him, we, we signed him to a three-year deal where only the first two years are guaranteed. Um, 
you know, we, we ended up having to cut Peyton Siva, who I believe was a, what, an Ohio State grad who was a, one of those leadership guys who people weren't sure if he was going to make it in the NBA. Well, he was on our roster last year, and we cut it. We just cut him, unfortunately, for him. Well, he's the guy. Uh, he's the guy who kind of showed up Trey Burks, and when we lost in the finals, yep, uh, in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, that, <laughs> that was those were his glory days. Yeah, it, it, exactly. He's just you know, a, you know, could be a good coach. He's just not the right size and athleticism for the NBA, I guess. Um, meaning he would be the most athletic person we've ever seen, we've ever met if we <laughs> saw him in real life. But, <laughs> but Dinwiddie, yeah, uh, first round talent tore his ACL this last year. So it'll be halfway through the season before he's back to full strength anyway. But the main thing is he's a tall point guard. I think he's like six, five and uh, yeah, he's got some potential. Could, you know, we got a little, uh, we've planted a seed here and maybe in a couple of years he could, he could help us out. Um, especially towards the end of Jennings's contract in a few years. Um, but, uh, going back to something you said, Carl, where, uh, you know, we, we we've got some floor spacing now and you can see the logic behind building this roster. You know, I went back and looked at um, this great website, 82games.com. You can look at every team's um, five-man units and see which lineups did better and which ones did worse. Uh, you can also do that on NBA.com, but it's a little more complicated and harder to figure out, frankly, how to, how to look at lineup data. But, um, you know, our, our best lineups last year uh, that involved, you know, Jennings, and then Caldwell Pope at shooting guard and Kyle Singler at small forward. And then only two of our big men, Smith and Monroe or Monroe and Drummond, those, those lineups uh, scored you know, 15 to 20 points more than they gave up per 100 possessions. That's, that's great. The, those are really solid lineups. Those are lineups that are, you know, playoff team caliber performance. Now, you got to take these this lineup stats with a grain of salt because we don't know like were those lineups always playing against backups or um, did they just get on a hot streak once and limited, you know, small sample size and all this stuff. But, you know, it's encouraging and there's a logic behind having three guys who can shoot and only two guys who are solid big men in, in the lineup. Our lineups with uh, Josh Smith at small forward and, and Monroe and Drummond uh, yeah, actually, you know, bad. some of those gave up 10 more points than they scored yeah. for hundred possessions. So, uh, that ma- the stats match the eye test there. Um, so anyway, it, the we're building on something that um, the actual evidence from last year helps us out with. Uh, that helps us see uh, that there's a logic to it. Yeah, and honestly, I'm happy going back to some of the things we were predicting in the, for some of the first podcasts when we were saying you know it'd be a shame to sign. Um, Monroe to the max, to a max contract because he's probably not quite good enough. If we end up keeping him, but don't end up having to give him a max max contract, that makes me happy. And it also makes me happy that will that I, I have this feeling, and I could be totally wrong, but I have this feeling that uh, giving Smith a chance to, to really play well is just exciting to me for some reason. Like he just clearly has talent and ability, and if he, and if he could just be you know play in the position he's supposed to, he could be a really good. You know, he could be an all-star. So I just think it's exciting. Yeah, I think the um, the hopeful Pistons fan scenario here is, yeah, he'll he'll take the opportunity that's given to him. And Stan Van Gundy has enough respect as a coach that Smith will actually listen to him uh, if he tells him, for the love of God, stop shooting long jump shots. <laughs> um, or maybe even, 
uh, you are not going to play if you don't stop shooting long jump shots. Well, Van Gundy is a guy who's taken a team to the finals and is very well thought of. He's making a lot of money. He's, he's getting paid $7 million bucks a year, and players care about that. So, I mean, he's going to be being paid more than uh, some of our rotation players this year. That's kind of rare. Um, that's what we had to do to get uh, a top coach to come into uh, uh, a tough situation with Pistons. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, i got my rose-colored glasses on right now. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe what if Josh Smith was like sixth man of the year? You know, if he if he just kind of owned that position and he came off the bench and scored fifteen points a game and just was really efficient. Who knows? Oh yeah, I, I mean, there's a there's a precedent for this. I've I've seen people around the league saying, well, maybe Josh Smith could end up being for the Pistons what um, Lamar Odom was for the some of the Lakers championship teams, where they started Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol uh, up front, and then they brought Lamar Odom off the bench as as a power forward to play with either Gasol or Bynum as center. And he did great. And it, it rejuvenated his career. Odom had a, you know, two or three more useful years in the league um, after his athleticism left him a little bit and he couldn't play small forward anymore. Um, and then, unfortunately, Odom had, um, you know, a reality show. He married a Kardashian. I think uh, he had a tragedy where his uh, one of his kids passed away. And he just kind of went out, like, has never been the same since and. It, but anyway, it, it, there's a precedent for that where having a a borderline all star starting caliber guy come off the bench for a, for a team. Now I don't think Odom was paid uh, just sort of max money at the time, but you know anyway. Well, <laughs> that that's the hopeful scenario, and it has worked before. And 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 again, what, what, the way that would happen is if Monroe just agrees to a contract that we think is reasonable, or Another team signs him to an offer sheet, and we decide to match, and nobody will take Smith um, uh, in a trade. And it was reported this week that um, Stan Van Gundy called Josh Smith and told him to expect to be on the Pistons this year. I think that was a sign. It's partly a sign that um, you know there isn't much interest around the league for Josh Smith. Um, and also, I think it, that's Stan Van Gundy, the, um, the front office executive, communicating to other GMs around the league that we're not just going to take back your contract trash for Josh Smith. He's a talented player and he's a little overpaid, but you know, we're not going to sell low here. As a result, I think we may actually have to keep keep him this year or at least let him show that he's a useful player again during the season. You know, the, the, the trade deadline is seven months away, by the way. So there's a lot that could happen between now and the end of the season. We could start the season with Monroe and Smith on our team, and uh, end up trading one or both of them during the season. So uh, there's a yeah, who knows? You can start to actually look at who has cap space left and who might even make an offer for Monroe. Uh, I think that basically, you know, the Phoenix Suns have a, a bunch of cap room and could sign both their own agent uh, Eric Bledsoe and make an offer to Monroe. And the Atlanta Hawks have enough cap room to do it, and there's been some rumblings that they might do it. But, you know, the, the Hawks have have a couple of good big men right now. They've got Paul Millsap and Al Horford, both of whom are really good. And uh, Phoenix, it, it's hard to figure out what they're doing. Maybe they could use Monroe, but they just drafted a, a big center in the lottery last year. And they had a big, like, run-and-gun, everybody-shoot-three-pointers team last year. So I don't know if Monroe fits in. You know, uh, the market might be drying up for him. And, and uh, that would be good for us. That That might mean that... Uh, Monroe has to accept less, or or maybe it means Monroe comes into the season really pissed and accepts the qualifying offer and is a, 
you know, plays with his teeth gritted and uh, becomes an unrestricted free agent next year. Uh, I guess that's that's the way it could turn out bad. You know, it, 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 it's hard to say at this point. There, there, there aren't a lot of leaks or um, high, you know, good intelligence coming out of anybody's camp right now about what's going to happen. Yeah, and one thing that has come that I've learned more about since we've been reading all the, reading about this and just in prep for the podcast and stuff is that the the a max offer now might actually kind of be not a max offer pretty soon because everyone's talking about this new TV contract coming up in a couple of years, which is why LeBron only has a two year contract, uh, which means that it's expected that within two years the max the salary cap is going to go up and the max offer will be higher. So it could mean that being a, giving Monroe a near max offer won't seem like such a bad deal in the long run once the, you know, if we can expect the salary cap to go up. Um, is there any logic behind that? I mean, kind of planning for that to go up and, and, and yeah, I, th- there is, I, I think, um, you know, there's already been some surprising contracts. I think, you know, the, uh, us paying Jody makes 6 million bucks and, um, uh, um, Gordon Hayward of Utah, the small forward we mentioned a couple episodes ago, getting a max offer. Uh, uh, around the league, people are starting to realize, hey, uh, you know, maybe maybe players are are going to get paid a little more now because of this expectation. I think there people are saying that the salary cap might go up like seven or eight percent a year over the next few years. By the way, let's just mention something about the new TV deal. You know, we don't have any. A- specific details about how that'll go but if the new tv deal makes the league a lot more money what that's going to mean for us probably is some sort of terrible thing like you know you have to pay an extra 10 bucks a month to comcast to get nba tv to even see your team or some bs like that so um (laughs) you know we can be hopeful about what it does for the business salary cap but that money's got to come from somewhere and that somewhere is probably us somehow i don't know uh (laughs) well i I know i had to I resubscribed to cable last year so I could watch the Pistons, and I just got sick of not being. <laughs> I got sick of not being able to watch live sports. But man, I'm already what what it took to be able to just get cable so I can watch one team was kind of already kind of crazy. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, yeah, and then you think, oh, I can just uh, sign up for the NBA.com, you know, streaming, and uh, you can watch any team except your local team. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, you can, I guess, you know, you can try to get around that. But okay. Uh, anyway, back to one thing. I one thing does that makes me think about though is I was flipping through my entire cable lineup and I was watching NBA TV the other day and there were there because they were kind of LeBron is all the rage right now. They were playing the 2006 NBA All Star game where LeBron was the MVP and the East won and you know he was young. Um, but I noticed I was like, holy crap! Like uh, both Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace were playing at the same time and, and like getting all this praise from Doug Collins as a color commentator about their just being good on defense. And there was Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, and Richard Hamilton were all all-stars that year, uh, and Chauncey Billups. So we had four all-stars. And that was the year, that was the first year that we didn't make the conference, that we didn't um, win the conference title. And as a Pistons fan, had coming off back-to-back um, conference titles and a championship, I remember just being so complacent uh, and you know already being disappointed and we're talking about blowing up the team. But just how far have we fallen to think that that year, I was just watching the All Star Game and seeing, you know, four Pistons out there with with uh, Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Steve Nash and Kobe and everything. It's uh, kind of crazy. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, those were the days. Now we're we're thinking like, oh man, if we could just make it to a 500 record, you know, and get into the first round and get blown out by the first seed, <laughs> man, that'd be so great. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, but it's a sort of humble beginnings. Like the 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 first the Rick Carlisle days when we first had that fifty win season. Um, and speaking of which, we're talking about how the East is getting is getting harder. I mean, so last year, um, the the Hawks limped their way into the playoffs with a losing record, thirty eight and forty four, and that's that's not going to be good enough this year because, as you mentioned, the Heat uh, basically split up into two playoff teams now because LeBron is is lifting the Cavs up to be a definite playoff team and. The Heat are still going to be pretty good. I mean, they still have Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, uh, and they signed and they signed Luol Deng uh, to replace LeBron James. You know, and, and Deng's not in LeBron James's uh, galaxy, but he's uh, you know uh, a just below All Star player and a good defender, good veteran guy. So yeah, uh, and and then Charlotte was the number seven seed last year, and they got better uh, because they they took their forty three and thirty nine team and they added Lance Stevenson. And didn't lose very much, and they drafted Noah Vonley out of uh, Indiana, and 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 then uh, you know Washington was the five seed, and they're uh, they've got a couple of young guys in the backcourt who are probably getting better. They lost Trevor Ariza, but um, you know they they could be on the upswing. It's and then not not only that, but our division has just become one of the toughest divisions in the league. Um, Cleveland with LeBron James and, um, you know, maybe by the end of this podcast, we'll find out that Kevin Love was traded to Cleveland. Um, that they, they would be title contenders then. Chicago got Pau Gasol and they're getting former MVP Derrick Rose back after being out, uh, most of the last two years with a knee injury. And he's still young and awesome. Uh, Indiana, it's, it, we'll see how th- they were the number one seed last year and they had, uh, a legendary defense. We'll see how they decide to retool this offseason after a meltdown at the end of the year. But, you know, we've got three pretty close to league elite teams, like the only decent teams in the entire Eastern Conference, are all in our division. The only other, it's uh, and then it's us and Milwaukee just uh, uh, getting kicked like a little dog uh, over and over again by those teams. So we're, we, we have a tough row to hoe here. We might end up in a situation where we improve a lot and still don't make the playoffs. Uh, uh, that, that's a little bit of uh, cold water thrown on our, uh, you know, our, our parade here. But well, I, mean, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be a tough year, man. Yeah. Well, in some ways, it's in some ways it's good because having a goal to be like a losing team that manages to to like, yeah, we get to go to the playoffs, even though like there's like five teams who would make who would be better than us from the West. I mean, it becomes a little bit more serious competition, and making the playoffs will become more of a real accomplishment. Um, but even just looking through, so yeah, we're not going to win our division. I, it, that would be very, that would be like a miracle to be better than the Indiana, Miami, and the Bulls. But I would say Toronto still looks like they're going to be better than us. Washington, Brooklyn. So it, it comes down to fighting with Charlotte and Atlanta, I think. And of course, New York, I mean, the Knicks still have big hopes. Cleveland's, oh, oh Cleveland also will be up there better than us. So yeah, we have to be better than like uh, Atlanta, Charlotte, New York. Um, so it's, we'll have to be dramatically better and have something really turn around. It's not just like, oh yeah, we'll be pretty good and scrape by. Yep. And Atlanta, um, they, they scraped into that eighth seed with, um, they had, uh, their best player, Al Horford out with a torn pectoral muscle and he's going to be back. And, uh, and he's a really good player, probably, probably an all-star. Um, so he's added to their, that third, that eighth seed team. So, you know, the East is a little bit less of a joke now, um, yeah, which, as you said, as a you know, as a sports fan, that's good. You know, we want to face the best competition, but 
Well, I think part of that comes down to it's been so much fun to talk about how much promise Drummond has. But, you know, if, if he actually becomes awesome this year, that could make a huge difference because he was awesome when he kind of flew under the radar and wasn't relied upon to become like a go-to guy. Um, but could he be, could he actually become a guy who you throw the ball to in the post, has a over-20 usage percentage and just really, you know, knocks in 20 points a game or something like that? I mean, that could make a big difference. Uh, obviously, if Smith plays well and we actually get a good rotation with, with, um, with Monroe and we have the wing players knocking down threes, I mean, to me, I think it's not totally implausible. If we... If, if, if we didn't get Stan Van Gundy and we hadn't made these moves and we, we kind of felt like, like we felt at the end of the season, I think we would just be, uh, I don't know what we'd be talking about. I mean, but there, there is legitimate reason to be somewhat optimistic about being a lot better this year. Being a playoff team, that's probably a stretch. But hey, we're, we're, the, we're, we're, the, we're the super fans, so we got to at least find ways to be hopeful. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, and, and Drummond, you know, he, he played just over 32 minutes a game last year, and that could go up. He averaged 13 and 13 uh, rebounds and points. You know, uh, next year's his third year. Players typically peak between the third and seventh years in the league, and we don't know what's going to happen with Drummond. He's only going he's going to be 21 years old this year. Um, but you know, th- this is a year when it wouldn't be surprising if he took the leap to being um, more like he's going to be in his peak. He showed flashes this last year, and he would have a, the occasional crazy 20 rebound game or something like that um you know it, he could he could take a step up and he could he could end up averaging closer to 20 points than 10 and uh keep his rebounding up you know he could be an all-star but we we just don't know uh it, it really hard to predict the development of young players but this is we're at the beginning of the zone this year where it would be wouldn't be surprising for him to take a big step up and uh that would be the foundation of things you know, Stan Van Gundy, I think Drummond, other, uh, other than the seven million bucks a year we're paying him, I think Andre Drummond is the reason Stan Van Gundy took this job. Um, it, he wants to build build what he did, or like in Orlando with Dwight Howard, where he took Dwight Howard and a bunch of solid guys with a specific skill and got him to the finals. Yeah, and on the um, on the Jalen Rose podcast, uh, you know, they they talked probably for an hour and a half about the entire league. And even Jalen Rose, who's a, a Pistons diehard fan, when it came when uh, Jacoby asked him, "What do you think about your Pistons?" and he said, "Andre Drummond, we got Andre Drummond." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "We got Andre Drummond." So I mean, he, he wasn't trying to be super optimistic about a whole lot more than just that. But you know, that is sort of like at a national level, real people are really excited about him. Absolutely. And by the way, I think maybe in the same episode, uh, Jalen gave some love to Cedar Point and was educating the country about the <laughs> demon drop and the corkscrew and stuff like that. That was fun to hear. Yeah, uh, some uh, you know uh, Michigan, Ohio area uh, stuff. Well, yeah, well, so, so I think you know I, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap things up because we've done a, done a good roundup. I think it would be interesting to check in again once we know a few more things about how any free agency free agency changes happen. But um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm definitely very excited to start watching us play at the beginning of the season. Yep. The, the, uh, the, We'll see if uh, we end up standing pat with keeping Monroe or if the other shoe drops and we, we end up making a big trade and uh, we have to reevaluate everything about how our how our, our roster fits together if we trade Monroe or Smith. Uh, you know, either way, I think this, this year is shaping up to be much more fun to watch than, than the past couple.